Welcome to Good Darts, the lowest quality podcast about the highest quality sport. We're back with two full episodes this week, you lucky sods, uh, packed with fascinating guests from the world of darts, uh, too much alcohol than is advised for broadcasting purposes, and some potentially blinding tips for the free-to-play PDC Picks app with cash prizes to be won. We're brought to you by Low6, the guys behind that PDC Picks app, uh, and some new games as well. Check out their Weekly 7 one where you can win a million pounds by predicting footy results. It's a bit like one you might already know from elsewhere, but but different. It's very, very simple. You get the idea. Uh, I'm Dan Dawson. Uh, Wayne Mardle is here as well. Wayne, it has been far too long since we last spoke. How are you doing? I'm all right, Dan. Yeah, I've got I've got my uh, voice back. It, it it went for a while. I was I had to go to kind of an A and E type place, and I was concerned. And I, I I was absent for a night at the Premier League, which uh, Wayne. I was told to Wayne stay in your room and don't speak. Right, right, okay. Wow. Two things you're not telling, very good at. <laughs> telling me not to speak. He's not going to watch. Yeah, <laughs> but look, it, it was all right. And and I'm back, Dan. I'm back, and I can't. I can't wait to just just speak. Uh, so, thanks for anyone that's listening and anyone that's turned off already. Yeah. Uh, oh, come on now, give me a chance. Come, yeah, on. come on, settle yourselves in for it's it's a it's a double whammy. <laughs> Two episodes in a week here, and what is basically a Wayne Mardel spoutathon. Uh, it'll be spectacular. <laughs> Since we last spoke, Wayne, uh, your joke yeah. of a football club has joined a European Super League, left that league, <laughs> sacked a manager, and lost a cup. Lost in the cup. That's. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? Like in, well, in what said, a week and a half. You say it's amazing, but there's things we do on kind of a. a I'm not going to say a yearly basis, but like <laughs> a, a, a binary basis, and that's sack a manager and lose a cup final. So mm. the only odd thing. Is to really join a European league, and what did what did they do? They didn't follow it through, so that's Spursy yeah. as well, isn't it? <laughs> it's all Spursy. Yeah, it is. What, what did you make of the whole Super League thing? Seeing as everybody has to have an opinion on it, um, that it was just it was obligatory for about forty eight hours. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, uh, do you know what? I, I, I'm going to say this. I might annoy people. I I, I really couldn't care less. Yeah. I, I really, <sighs> honestly. I've That's seen it. We, we saw it with darts, didn't we? We saw it with darts when the WDC was formed and then it turned into the PDC. And I'm thinking, hold on now. There's just not enough teams or not enough players for it to work here. And look, it money talks. Money talks so much now that, do you know what, though? I still think it will happen. Yeah, I, I mean, still think it will happen. I'm kind of resigned to the fact it's going to happen at some point, and it will be a disgrace. It be a trap. I mean, just kick them all out, as far as I'm concerned. Go, let them go and play whatever yeah. silly tournament they want. That's right. Um, it's you know the the massive clubs will eventually. If you've got how many how many people can Spurs fit in their stadium? Is it sixty seventy thousand? I Something think like it's that. one thousand more than the Emirates, so it's right, like sixty eight thousand, okay. I believe. Something okay. So uh, along those lines. That is going to be irrelevant in the years to come, isn't it? If you've got 60,000, yep. 70,000 paying supporters, if you can get several, by a factor of that, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world as a global brand paying a subscription to watch. Yep. So it doesn't matter where that club is. It doesn't matter. Now, that is, that's anathema to me. I think that football clubs are community resources. They do a lot of good in their community. People have an yes. identity with them. But... You can't stop the, the 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 drive of what essentially these are capitalist behemoths. They're just going yes. to keep on making money for themselves. It's going to happen at some point. Yeah. The weird thing was, I'm sure they announced this about four months ago, and we went through all this. They didn't say we're joining a Super League. They just said, we're going to form a Super League. Everybody went mental, and then all the other clubs said, oh, no, we weren't. We, we, we didn't really mean it. We, we didn't. And then they've just gone through yeah. the same thing again. I mean, it's going to just keep yeah. happening until it... Until it actually does go through, I yeah, think. Until but it wanna... happens, they'll threaten. And they'll threaten one last time before it happens. Yeah, it's and quite simple. The new Champions League format, anyway, is, is basically just playing endless games in Europe to raise money, which <laughs> nobody's that interested about anyway. I, I do want to get... Let's, let's get back into what you said about the darts, though, because I, I think there's a big difference between this European Super League thing and yeah. the formation of the WDC, what would go on to become the PDC. Now, back then, that was that the darts players going, we, we want to earn a living. You've only got yeah, it was the players, one correct. tournament. Yeah, but you've only got one tournament for us to make any money from. Yeah. It's not as if yeah. there's, a, there's a scarcity of money-making options for these big football clubs. It's just they <laughs> want more, don't they? I mean, that, that's, that's a, it's a bit of an unfair comparison between the two, is it not? 
Uh, it can, yes, it, it, it is. I was just kind of trying to bring darts back into it. Uh, yeah, I commend I, I agree. you for that. It the, look, it's the players. It's the players. And the, their bosses, basically, were, were probably their their partners. And that was it, saying, look, we need to pay the mortgage and you need to find a way to do it. So you're right. The, the, the footballers were talking about more and the dart players were on about, I just want some. That was yeah. it. Just, that was a, it. just, just to want to earn a living. Yeah. Yeah, no. Because five hundred thousand a week for some players is just not enough. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, they even yeah. went like back in the days to the BDO say, "Look, can we put on our own tournaments?" You know, aside from the one that was on the telly, the World Championship, and they got told no. So, I mean, they were backed into a yeah. corner anyway, weren't they? Um, I mean, you, you probably—I don't know—you you were around when all that was happening, Wayne. But did you just sort of sidestep it and not need? Because the battle lines were very firmly drawn, and you were in one camp or the other for a long, long while while you were a, a professional player. Yeah, I, I didn't get away with it. I, I did mm. not. I, I went to watch, uh, and I say watch, watch. Now that I didn't go to play, I went to watch Bob Anderson mm. in a uh, in a darts exhibition, and he was uh, at Rump around the Rumford area. And uh, I was basically told because I was a BDO player playing for England back then, and it was a case of Wayne. I, I don't think you should you should be in here. Bob Bob's a PDC player, and you're an affiliated BDO player and you might get banned. What's that? Yeah. Can you just explain that to me again? This was on the door. This was on the door. Anyway, uh, a few months after that, I was basically toying with the idea of joining the PDC anyway. And I kind of let it out to, to one of the England selectors. And they said, well, if you, if you do, you may not play for England again, if you do join the PDC. And, I said, C can that really happen? Even though I was like one of the top players in the county system, playing well for England and winning. Uh, I, was, I wasn't I was threatened with you, you're going to be banned, but no, I didn't get away with it. I, I just left the BDO after that, knowing that I could I could make a, a, a living and be a professional darts player within the PDC. It was never going to happen in the BDO system, ever. Mm, yeah, but no, I, I, I don't think anyone escaped. I don't think anyone escaped back then. It was, it was horrendous. It was horrendous. Yeah. Well, I tell you, you know, I was thinking about this and thinking about the parallels between the whole sort of European Super League and, and the darts thing. The one thing that, and I, I know the PDC have put things in place about this. You you work on the exhibition circuit, right, Wayne? And normal yeah. times, yeah. And look, there yeah. you've been involved in some massive exhibitions, particularly like over in mainland Europe. There are some enormous ones. We're talking like arena. It's like Premier League nights, isn't it? Um, well, yeah. There's one in Cologne, seventeen thousand, mm. two years running. Yeah. Now that that it, they are money spinners, right? So the likes yeah. of Michael Van Gerwen, Peter Wright, these big name players, the superstars of this sport, realize and their management realize that there is money to be made by them playing in these kind of exhibitions. Yeah. Now, there's people want to see them, obviously, and yeah. they might want to pay their ten quid or twenty quid for a ticket or whatever. And I'm guaranteed to see Peter Wright and Michael Van Gerwen. I might not be guaranteed if I go and pay that money to to see a, a, a PDC ranking tournament. They go, might go out in round one, um, yeah. or they you know they they might be missing one because obviously it's a crowded yeah. calendar. Now they you are guaranteed to see you know you get the sort of PDC darts experience even though it's not a PDC event. Now there are rules yeah. about where exhibitions can happen. They you know within a certain yeah. time frame within a certain distance of PDC yeah. ranked event. But there is a genuine danger, isn't there, about sort of killing the goose that laid the golden egg, where you just have so yeah. much darts everywhere, whether it be yeah. exhibitions, whether it be the seniors tour, whether it be whatever, where there's just so much darts, that actually the real big stuff, the stuff that the PDC want to push, the big tournaments, the, the money spinners, the important things, people are like, well, I've, I've already gone and seen Peter Wright play in a leisure centre down the road from me or in a big arena in Germany. I don't need to go and buy a ticket for the world match yeah. play or, or world championship. That's a genuine concern in terms of the future of this game in the, in the medium term and indeed long term, I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. And I'm involved. Uh, saturation is, is always a, a problem. And uh, to say, oh, it, it won't happen. Well, it, it's happened. It happened in Holland. Darts was absolutely gigantic in the late 90s, probably all the way to 2008, 9, 10, maybe. Hmm. Uh, Barney, Barney leaving was a massive blow. That really was. But I, uh, me, Martin Adams, Andy Fordham, uh, Colin Monk at the time, uh, George Noble was another one, uh, the, the referee, the puppy. 
we were out in Holland, and I'm I'm not exaggerating here. I would say, I would say two hundred days a year. Without Blimey. without that, without that explosion in Holland, it's unlikely I would have ever become a, a darting professional because I could fall back on that. That's that was where I was earning my money when I when I wasn't working in in the city. So. It, it was amazing, but but we knew we were saturating it. We did. We knew at the time, but we just thought, well, someone's going to, so why not us? Well, that's the um, thing. You know, you can't rely yeah. on players themselves to be responsible because ultimately their career is is short and they don't know how short. short. And they're there. They've got to make yeah. their money. If you're Peter Wright or if you're Michael Rango, yeah. I need to make my money while I'm big. Uh, while I'm, you know, while I'm at the top of my game, while people are wanting yeah. to spend their hard-earned to see me, I can make my money and I can sit on that and I can, I can do whatever I want with it. Now, if it means that in ten years' time, fewer people are interested in in going out to darts events and it leaves the game in a worse position, no skin off my nose, I'll be done and dusted. Now, it's not yeah. their responsibility; it's the responsibility of the the game's custodians, people like the PDC or indeed the WDF, assuming that the world gets back to normal, to make yeah. sure that that things are... And there are things in place, but it is a very, very difficult fine line to tread because, essentially, they'll be saying, in a similar way that we've seen in, in, in the football or perhaps back in the day in the darts, look, we know you want to earn. We know that you, know, you, you have a value. But could you please just curb those tendencies for the good of everybody else now i think the pdc yeah. are very good at giving them earning opportunities those top boys more than they have ever had but yeah. if they can smell a few more extra bucks it's going to be very difficult yeah. to stop them going for them well yeah it is going to be difficult i, I think that the the problem here is that uh the players have, have signed contract and I'm, I, this isn't the problem that they've signed contracts i'll, I'll get to it in in a minute, it's the fact that they've signed a PDC contract to say what they can and can't do. But these huge exhibitions, whilst they're darting uh, events, and yes, you see them play, you can meet these players backstage that you might not be able to do uh, in a in a tournament environment with with the PDC. So they are slightly different. But but Michael Van Gerwen can't be seen in the same area five times in a week because all of a sudden it becomes, all oh, right, these four and five are not going to sell out for Michael Van Gerwen, are they? And mm. we've we've got to be careful. We re And when I say we, I'm on about all of us that are, that are to do with, with, with darts. We've, we've all got responsibilities somewhere along the line. And there's things like players that, and, and I know this happens, but this is lower echelons where, Oh, you're in, you're in, uh, I'm just going to say Yorkshire, F forget, forget kind of mainland mm. Europe for a minute. You're in Yorkshire on the Saturday. Is that right? Yep. Can you do the Saturday and, su oh, sorry, on a Friday. Can you do the Saturday and Sunday cheaper? So to keep you up there. Look, they're only, mm. they're only 15 minutes apart. Well, the one on the, the Sunday that the poor organizers, people have had up team chances to come and see you. They might not sell out because you've, you've been in the area just too often and, and too cheaply as well. And that's the thing. That's the thing. We can't, we can't undersell that. When I say we, again, it's all involved. Can't undersell ourselves and uh, the players that you might represent. Because once you start doing that, the market just becomes absolutely swamped and saturated. And in the end, nothing special, is it? Yeah. The, well, night I mean... out, the dark should be special. Well, that's that's exactly it. And uh, look, I know I remember talking to uh, to somebody very high up in darts a few years back now, and he was of the opinion uh, PDC players shouldn't be allowed to play in anything. No, no exhibitions, no nothing. If you're PDC, how is Barry? Is he all right? We... <laughs> it, it wasn't Barry actually, but bearing in mind that the 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 week that we had where everybody's been eulogising about how he's been the custodian of darts and taking it to this yeah. extra level, um, I, I think I assume that they never went through with that that idea because it would lead to that whole sort of BDO situation where you would be forcing players like MVG and Peter Wright to go, well, hang on, you're taking money out of my pocket every year. And yeah. they, they've evidently come to a compromise, which seems at the minute to, to keep everybody happy. But um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a, a very interesting road that they'll be walking down together. Uh, the the games directors and the players. Yeah. Especially now, Dan, because they've had a, they're going to have more or less two years off of doing it. So mm. some 
some are going to want to make up for it. Some are going to yeah. want to do more at maybe a cheaper rate, uh, a la saturation time. I, I, yeah. I hope not. I no, hope so not. do I. So do I. It, I mean, look, we, who knows what world we'll be emerging into, blinking from the darkness of the last year and a half. But um, mm. it may be that you know there's not that big an appetite for people going to live events. Even the, the established yeah. ones might struggle to sell tickets. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 all guesswork at the minute. But look, I think it's a very, very interesting topic. And I'm sure it's one, uh, assuming that this fine podcast becomes an institution that lasts uh, longer uh, than low six contractually do to get out of it um then yeah we may well talk about it in future um look yeah. we're going to talk about pdc pro tour stuff uh in this episode we'll talk more premier league in, in the next one um we'll deal with the, the pro tour stuff later we've had a really interesting mix of winners actually um but one thing i did want to mention uh, we've had lots on this podcast about darts players involved in other sports you know go in price news rugby obviously uh joe cullen and every other sport apart from darts known to man. You and your BMX <laughs> yeah. as a youth, yeah, we, yeah. We've, we've covered yeah. that. Um, did you catch, perchance, the record-breaking, history-making, 16-time champion of the world, Phil the Power Taylor, playing pool on the telly the other day? Uh, yeah, 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 I did, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, two <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, yeah. I've, played, oh, I've, played, my God. I've played Phil at pool. I've played him. Right. And when so I, I heard about it a couple of weeks ago, when yeah. I heard about it a couple of weeks ago, I'm thinking, no, nah, this is a wind-up. Because <laughs> I, I I know he can't play. Yeah. I, and I, and look, I saw we all saw one shot, didn't we? Is yeah. that right? Oh, that's the one I'm on about. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Trying Absolutely to break off. Absolutely pathetic. I mean, what how has this happened? Like, I don't uh, understand look, how this has happened. Why? I, I saw the announcement and I literally and I know it's a, it's a joke when you say, oh, I had to check the date. We were in April. I did have to check the date. I thought, this has got to be utter bollocks. I know Phil, Phil likes doing so. Phil, Phil has done some amazing things for money in the past. Uh, my yeah. favourite my favorite being his, uh, his Werner Ladder deal, where the TV advert was fantastic, where he walked up to the camera, knocked on it. Hey, listen up. Yeah, that was that was the greatest TV advert known to Matt, Brilliant. as far as I'm concerned. But, Brilliant. Um, but yeah, it... I don't know where this came from. I mean, uh, how, how? How? What uh, is there anything uh, else uh, he's got in the pipeline? I can't wait. Uh, I hope not. Oh come on! Now, what I did hear, I think this might be might be uh, uh, false though. That he, he was he was lining up a uh, hundred and fifty meter dash with <laughs> not hundred, hundred and fifty <laughs> with Usain because yeah. he, he thought he thought he had a chance. Yeah, well, look, I I know Phil well enough. I know him well enough to for him to believe. I I, I reckon he believed that I can play. I've got a chance. Honestly, it's honestly, only Paul. It, it's only Paul, and I'm very good at darts. <laughs> yeah. Me and Bob play in the pub all the time. I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah. Uh, honestly, absolutely incredible stuff. Uh, didn't last yeah. very long. If you haven't seen it, just Google Phil Taylor ultimate pool masters there's only one shot you need to see uh sums it up uh, right let's introduce our guest shall we uh because we've got a, a pretty extensive chat for you today he's a former national number one uh, he's now belgium's number two a four-time pdc title winner a former major finalist uh, twice a premier league competitor and a man who once averaged almost 122 in a televised game of darts it is the hurricane kim hybrex these are the questions that you should be asking Welcome to the Good Dust Podcast, The Hurricane, Kim Hirebreaks. Kim, I don't know if you know this, uh, but you have been involved in some of my favourite ever games of darts. Basically, uh, anything with you and Paul Nicholson on stage, I've loved. Uh, loads of stuff with you and Phil Taylor. Uh, the game with Scott Rand at the World Championship is possibly my favourite game of darts of all time. Uh, you, do you class yourself as an entertaining player? Well, I would rather have you picking games that I actually won. <laughs> <laughs> you won plenty against Nicholson, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. No, yeah, um, yeah. I just play my game. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a, yeah, a loud player, as they say these days. Um, but it's not really to entertain anyone. It's just my style of playing, to be honest. Where's it come from? Is, is that always evolved naturally, or did you have an idea about the sort of player you wanted to be when you started out? Were you, were you watching other players and going, yeah, that's that's what I want to be? Yeah, definitely in the beginning it was naturally. Um, I'm a very 
nervous player. So uh, whenever I hit good scores or good finishing, well, the nerves take over, and you're just happy when you when you finish a double or or win a leg. Um, but then I had a lot of well talking about it, a little bit of complaints from fellow players um, who didn't really like it. And there is where I made one of the biggest mistakes. I tried to adapt to it. I tried to do a bit less of uh, my natural game. Um, Did you, though? Because I remember Phil Taylor at the Worlds, like it looked like he was trying to shut you up. And you just came out and did it even more at him. And you nearly beat him, yeah, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, I know, I know. Back then, I was really like, I don't care. But when I played the Premier League, um, when I walked into a venue, and, um, well, there's a couple of leading players who wouldn't speak to you because they don't like the way you play. And, and it affected me, to be honest. Um, so I, I adapted a bit to that style then to be a bit more quiet on stage, especially to the bigger names, because I had a lot of respect for them. And uh, maybe that's a mistake I made that, uh, that I shouldn't have made, because after that, when, when I realized that's not my game, I tried to overcompensate them. And then I was screaming for every treble, which was, was not good as well, which was not natural anymore. So um, I've, I've just found myself again in, in my playing style and the way I am on stage. Is it? Does it kind of seem a bit mad to you that there was all this discussion about, oh, Kim Hyvrex is a bit loud and it's a bit much and he over-celebrates. And when you look around the world of darts now, I mean, it's pretty tame compared to some of the stuff that goes on, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Uh, when you see players um, like Gerwin Price, even Michael Van Gerwen, um, I don't think um, I was any louder than them. So um, at this time, when you look at darts, uh, it wasn't much different than, than when I played the Premier League or when I was um, play, winning tournaments and things like that. So uh, in that way, sometimes I think it was a bit unfair towards me. But hey, that's that's the darting world. It's a, It's a cruel world. What did you think when, when Gerwin Price got hit with a £20,000 fine? I mean, look, plenty of darts players have had their run-ins with the DRA. You are no different, Kim. But £20,000, you must have been sitting there going, this is mad, isn't it? Of course it was mad. I don't think it was the screaming so much, but it was um, everything that happened uh, in the game with Gary. And, and there was more than just screaming for a leg. That was... That was a totally different dimension to screaming, and and that game itself was from a different dimension. So I think um, uh, I've never had any games like that where where they almost had a fight on stage. Um, so okay, it's it's a lot. The the fine was massive, and I think it was too much. But if you look at the game itself, maybe action was needed. I'm interested to hear you say that. I mean, look, I'm I'm of the opinion that as long as nobody lays any hands on each other, you can pretty much just shout and scream all you like. And I think we've seen more of that. I mean, even players who'd never used to do it. Christoph Ratajski's had games like that. Adrian Lewis has got very loud and shouty in recent years. It's it's kind of just become accepted that that players do it now. But I mean, do you do you think it it actually can affect a game, or is it just different players playing in different ways? Um, it, it does affect the game. Um, there's a lot more money at stake as well, so you, you have to keep that in mind. Uh, people are playing games now for a lot of money, so that's that's important. If you take the screaming aspect or, or the nervous aspect, in my case, uh, you play for a lot of money. But, um, yeah, I guess it's become more, more and more uh, relevant and more and more players do it. Uh, we see Nathan Aspinall as well. He's very mm -hmm. loud. Frank Gerwin is now. Um but it's, it's a bit normal these days, and that's good. I think it's more entertaining for the crowd, so that's a good thing. Absolutely. Well, look, uh, your older brother, Ronnie, he, he doesn't have any of that stuff. He, he, was, he was a big influence on you growing up, wasn't he, and getting into the darts. How did, how did darts start for you, you as, as an individual, and indeed as a family? Well, yeah, Ronnie was my biggest influence, I think, in darts. Um, he took me when I was a youth player, took me to the tournaments. Um, we played national team together for the BDO for Belgium. Um, and he was always there. He was always by my side. Every tournament I went to, he was always there. And then uh, when I joined the PDC after two years, he was there again. So uh, it was it was so good to have him by my side because um, whenever you feel down, it's it's good to have somebody by your side. You can relate to one hundred percent. I've got a lot of friends on tour, but still, it's different to have your brother by your side. He knows what to say and when to say the things that you need to hear, and that's important. What got you started in the dots? And at what age, 
Kim? Was it was it something from a very young age, or was it were you still at like a teenager or in your early twenties? What what happened? Um, my first stories of me playing darts, I couldn't even walk. Um, my parents had a pub in Antwerp, and um, they already had it before I was even born. And there was playing darts there before I was born, so I grew up with it. I, I was uh, sitting in my diapers on the floor, and I had darts in my hand. So that's the stories that I heard. Obviously, I can't remember it. And um, I just, when I was three or four years old, could just walk. They put a board on the floor and I could play darts on the floor. And then as, as I got older, they um, started to, to put the board a bit higher until I got to the height where you have to play the darts. Um, and since then, I played all the, all the youth categories and senior events. So, yeah, I've been playing darts my whole life. So did you realize you were pretty good from a from a very young age then? Did it were you sort of better than all the other kids when you were, you know, 11, 12 teenage years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um from the age of let's say 11 until 17 I was always the number 1 in uh, Belgium in the youth. Um then well started partying and uh, you know what it's like girls drinking so as soon as I had to take the step to the senior um tournaments we didn't have the pdc development tour or anything on, like that so uh darts got a bit on the sidetrack then started partying a lot and playing football and then when i was 22 i started to play the big events in belgium uh became the belgian national champion first year so then i realized like this might work this might be something serious so you you decided then or, or figured out then that, hang on they, they could be something serious and presumably you could you could make a career out of it but by that point, you've gone through school, and and presumably, did you have a job? Did you were you working? Did you have other plans that you were looking into or chasing? Um, no, I was very lucky. I um, I stayed with my parents, so I didn't have to uh, pay any rent or bills or anything. They always supported me in every way. Um, I went to school until I was uh, twenty three. I went to university after uh, I've done high school. Um, got a degree in business management and I had one year uh, education of uh, being a teacher. Um, really? I did not know yeah. that. What, yeah, so you were going to yeah, yeah. go and teach business or teach something else? No, actually, I, I love uh, kids. Uh, like the age of my daughter, around six. So I wanted to be a teacher for, uh, well, young kids, younger kids. Yeah, yeah, uh, primary school. Yeah, 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 indeed, indeed. Um, then I started to date Dana and... Um, Obviously, we chatted about working because you want to build something up. And I said, you know what? Give me one year where I'm not working, where I'm going to try to play darts. And that's the year I become a professional. So you literally have never done a real job, Kim. You've just gone nope. from being a student to being a dance player. You've never had to grow up, man. Exactly. <laughs> I'm living the dream. <laughs> well, you say that, and yeah, it, it was a dream for the first few years, because I mean, it's just success after success, after particularly after moving to the PDC, and you're picking up titles, and in the Premier League, and all these big tournaments, and deep runs, and major finals. I mean, it, it must have felt like it was so easy, I'm guessing. I mean, you know, Players' Championship Finals runner-up, in very very quick time when you broke through i mean it must have felt like this is just this is just simple for you yeah it, it was more easy then because nobody expects anything of you you just can play darts you do what you love um results are coming you're having fun there's nothing to defend there's nobody to please and that's when i played just like i can and uh, that's when i enjoyed darts the most did you feel, was it quite big time? You know, you were traveling all over the place, you are on TV. Were you getting recognized back home, like that sort of thing? Did you feel a bit like a rock star? Um, not really, because darts was never on TV in Belgium. So I was more um, well-known in uh, Holland and England. But in Belgium, nobody knew me at that time. Um, if I said I was a dart player, but thought, oh, from the morning till the evening, he's in the pub, probably having beers and uh, playing some darts. That's what people in Belgium used to think about dart players. So um, that was that was actually, it was a good thing and, and not so fun because the good thing is you can stay low. Um, you've got you've got like Premier League, you do the autographs, you get recognized in the hotels. But when you get home, you can just relax and nobody knows you. That's sometimes a good thing. That's interesting about Belgium because I was speaking with Mike Dedeker, I think it was last year at some point. Uh, actually, I tell you what, it was... Um... It was during the, our first trip on the European tour to Belgium, the Belgian National Championship. And 
we were talking about it the the game in Belgium. Belgium's got a long history of darts. They've got some, they've had some really good players, you know, the likes of Eric Claris back in the day. Uh you you've been around for for more than a, for a decade now. Um but in terms of crowds, it it's not really sort of caught fight. It's not caught the imagination like it has done in in say places like the Netherlands or even Germany really in recent years, has it? What do you think that is? Well, first of all, you have to get recognition on television. Um, when darts isn't isn't a, a big country with a lot of dart players, so when you have the tournaments in Belgium, it basically has to come from the dart players and not like uh, in Germany or England, people that don't even really play darts but are there for the entertainment, for the fun. Um, it's like a carnival fest. Um, so I think if you look at Germany and England, I think real dart fans, there's about maybe 20% of the whole crowds. The rest is there to enjoy themselves and 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 have fun and drink a beer, sing, and then darts is a is a nice thing to watch. But mainly, it's the it's the fun. And in Belgium, I think it was more the the really darts minded people that came to watch those um, those tournaments. But now it's on TV. It's on the national uh, Belgian TV station. So I think if there's a another um, tournament in Belgium, I think you will have a lot more people coming to watch. So you think that it's it's not just going to be the hardcore? Because speaking of hardcore fans, uh, Belgium has one of the most hardcore fans I've ever met in Jackie the Lion. Uh, people <laughs> might have seen him. He travels all over the place uh, supporting Belgian yeah. darts fans, usually very, very loudly as well. Although there, there is some darts fan out there, and I don't know who this is. All I've done is seen the picture. Somebody has your signature tattooed on their arm, don't they? Yeah, true. Who yeah. is that? Um, Do you know? He's actually... He's- he, yeah, he's a German. Uh, he, he works for the PDC Europe, uh, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's, that's a... mental, isn't it? Did you know yeah, that he'd had that done? Bef- like, well, did you know he was going to have it done? Story. That's a funny story because I was doing an exhibition in Germany and um, these two guys came up to me and one of them had a tattoo of Phil Taylor, his autograph, and they asked for an autograph. And I said to the one that didn't have a tattoo, I said... Uh, but he has a tattoo of Phil Taylor, so I want you to have a tattoo of Kim Hybrex. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. But I obviously, I thought he was joking. So um, <laughs> I, ta- I I did a signature on his arm. And uh, the next day, he sent me a picture with a, well, that he had it covered with a tattoo. And I said, you're absolutely crazy for doing that. <laughs> and you'll never ask somebody to get a tattoo again, Kim and, Hybrex. No, but the thing is, like a year later, somebody else from the PDC Europe comes up to me and he says... Um, I want to have the same as, well, the name is Sven. I want to have the same tattoo as Sven. Can you do it as well for me? And I said, I'm really sorry, but I'm never doing that again because I don't <laughs> want somebody with my name the rest of his life on his arm. <laughs> you could be, look, I mean, somebody's already got Phil Taylor's signature on him. You could be the first darts player to have two people with separate <laughs> Kim Hybrex tattoos no. on their arm. Yeah, no, no, no. Wow. Rather not. Well, look, I mean, we've, we've covered a lot of, of highs. You, you mentioned at the start of this interview, Kim, that darts is a cruel game. And you have had some real tough times. There was a long period where you were struggling with all kinds of injuries. Your form went, you, you tumbled out of the, the top 16 and the top 32. How hard was that period? Um, because it, there were, within that, there were lots of times when it, th- it looked like you were sort of coming back, but they turned out to be sort of, false dawns if you like you know good good appearances yeah. or good matches and that's almost got to be be make it even harder doesn't it when you think oh i'm back and then all of a sudden now i've realized i've got so much more work to do yeah true true um that is like you said it's a cruel game um sometimes the world just generally is a cruel world um i've experienced a lot of um, negative things in my life in the last um, let's say six years um, with my parents um, dying both that had the, I think the biggest impact in my life on me uh, and injuries of course uh, which I still have I still have um, tennis elbow for four years now um, which is a well uh, a problem but uh, I'm trying to get to be positive about it to stay positive and uh, sometimes it hurts but um, there are worse injuries I think but form is uh, indeed something that I have an issue with lately. It's hard when you when you're in the top and you um, you fall out of that top. It's really hard to get back in it, which I am experiencing at the moment. I'm feeling really good, but results are just not coming my way, and you start to get frustrated with it. Um, I know I can be one of the best players in the world. I believe that my environment believes it, 
But when you don't get the results, you start doubting it in the games itself or, or in the match days. And that's my biggest uh, concern at the moment, I think, is just to believe in myself. Well, I mean, there, there seems to be a, a big upturn in your performances in recent months. I mean, it's coincided with you doing a, a lot of work. I mean, not only having those injuries addressed, but changing your darts and, and all sorts of things. I mean, do you feel that you're in a better place now to get back to, to where you were or potentially even even better than what you were originally? Um, I'm actually 100% sure of that. Um, I've, like you said, changed darts, uh, changed manufacturers with bulls. They, ex- they are actually, actually really, really nice. They're really good with uh, with their product, so I'm really happy in that way. I've changed management. Mac is one of the best managers in the world. Uh, he's one of my best friends. He's like family to me. But taking a step aside from that, from that um, well, large team of Mac, which which includes a lot of good players, um, but that put a lot of pressure on me as well. Um, so going to my new management now is is made a big, big, massive, um, positive impact on me. Um, feeling really good. I'm practicing really hard. Um, I'm trying to um, go to the gym every day. I'm trying to run a lot. So I'm trying to do everything that's right to be even better than I was uh, before. And I really believe that as soon as that clicks com- comes, as soon as that one tournament victory or one massive final again, then I'm, I'm sky high. I'm going to go like a rocket. That's interesting. I, I'm, I'm also I'm fascinated by the sort of management setup in darts. It, it's not like I know you're a massive football fan, you're a big Liverpool fan, um, but it, it's not the same as those team sports or anything. And yet, you have these the, an individual sport where you do have little sort of groups or cliques of, of players in the same management. And yes, they're competing against each other, but it, there's it's got to be very strange environment, isn't it? Where you sort of want each other to do well, but then you've got to rip each other's heads off on the board, maybe in 15 minutes' time, in a, in a quarter-final or a semi-final. It, it, it's, does it put strains on those relationships and friendships? Um, I'm going to have to be honest, and I have to say that in the past, yes, that was the case sometimes. Um, that's why when you have a lot of players in your management, it gets harder. When you have a select group, it's better, but the more players, the more... Um, competitiveness that that comes into you because like when I was in uh, uh, Max team we had a lot of good players and you would meet them a lot on the tournaments and then I'm not the best loser uh, some of the players aren't the best losers some, so sometimes that would clash but then as soon as you lost you're going for dinner with the team and then that person that beat you that day is there as well so that's sometimes difficult and it has gotten to me that it was it got more personal than, than it should have so um, now with my the team that we are in now with uh, Neil Sonneveld and Martin Kleermaker, I actually don't have that feeling anymore now. Um, I hope they do really good. And as soon as we meet on the board, um, we're just enemy, enemies for those 15 minutes. And uh, later that evening, we're playing cards. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's also, I mean, you mentioned emotions run high in this game. And look, We've had words before, Kim, after a game, because you've taken issue with something I've said. Uh, and we've oh, cleared really? it up. And it's Yeah, yeah, I remember. I was, I think it was at the World Championship where there was uh, you and Dimitri both had some fun on a bullseye. One perhaps you shouldn't have gone for. Uh, Dimmy went for... Oh, no, you laid up instead of going for a bullseye. And I think, was it Luke Humphreys maybe won a oh, game yeah, against yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to be honest, I thought it was quite funny, the situation. And you'd seen it and you had a go at me uh, and the old DMs. And we sort it out and it's fine. Because I understand it's really, really emotional. And after you lose a game, it's very, very tough. And if you see something on social media, and particularly with the sewer that is Twitter and all the stuff that people throw around, and not just, you know, finding things amusing, just real personal abuse. How how difficult has that been for you? Because that, that's not easy, I would imagine, when basically uh-huh. your phone is just full of people chucking abuse at you unfairly. Yeah, I was probably one of the worst people to have social media when I was um, playing Premier League and things like that, mm. because you get you do get a lot of abuse. And I was that I'm the type of person that if you see 100 messages and there's 98 positive messages, and two people are being a well, yeah, a bad word. Um, <laughs> I remember those two. I remember those two, and I I would react to them too. I would not say to the people, "Oh, thank you for supporting me." I would go to those two and text them and say, "What the, what's your problem? What have I done wrong to you? But sometimes not in a very nice way. Mm-hmm. And then 
of course, those are the kind of people that screenshot it and then throw it in public, and then you get the bad name, um, which is which is my my fault um, because I, I I got into the trap that is social media. Sometimes it's it's poison. I mm. think. I, 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 you're 100% with you. I mean, have you taken a step back from that? Do you just block and mute yeah. or do you let your management run it? How do you deal with that nowadays? Yeah, I have somebody now that takes care of my social media. Uh, it's uh, It saved me a lot of money because I got a lot of fines when I, when I used to... <laughs> <laughs> when I used to do my own social media, <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Well, now you're gonna you're gonna encounter an even more fun aspect now, Kim, because you've taken your first steps into being a pundit on the telly recently, haven't you? Yeah, 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 indeed. Uh, I'm doing the commentary box for uh, Belgian TV, which I really love. I would rather be on the stage, but um, yeah, it suits me, and I got a lot of compliments about it. So I'm doing a good job, I think. Well, that's it. You wait till you say something when you give an opinion. And then some dark player hears it, or they've they've somebody's told somebody told somebody else that Kim said this, and it's not really true yeah. on TV. That's when you you end up getting in an argument with somebody. That'll yeah, be a fun to, thing to look forward to, Kim. Well, to be honest, I've had my first uh, small issue about it um, when I was doing the commentating on uh, Dimitri against Gary Anderson. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Gary missed a lot of doubles, and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think Gary should have had at least a point, and in my opinion, Gary should have won that game, which I said on Belgian uh, television. And uh, apparently, Dimitri's family wasn't really happy about that. Okay, see now this is it. As soon as you get a microphone in your hand, you're going to get people disagreeing with you, Kim. It's yeah, going to be yeah, fun, indeed, indeed. But the thing is, when you do a job, when you when you're uh, like now commentating, you have to be ob- objective. Of course, I want Dimitri to win. He's Belgian. He's uh, one of my friends. But if I think he didn't, should have won that game then I'm gonna say it and I'm not gonna not speak my mind because people are offended by it or people are friends of me um, I'll say the truth hey late look this podcast is with Wayne Mardle and he gets plenty of that don't you worry about that Kim I mean are you <laughs> do you think you can juggle the two do you think you can be a pundit and a professional on the circuit because I mean, some players, you know, Devon's trying to straddle it at the minute, but I would imagine it's it, it becomes quite difficult to have a foot in both camps, doesn't it? I don't really think so. Um, of course, you you I would rather be on the Premier League itself, but as long as I'm not playing and I have free time, then why not? Um, it's good for the sport in Belgium. I, I mainly do it to promote our sport in Belgium because it's it's finally a chance for us to um, to come on the television. And if you have people that aren't really familiar with the sport, like they had in the beginning when they do in the commentating, those people didn't know uh, what they was talking about. Somebody was on 56, he would hit triple 16 and, and the commentator wouldn't even know what was happening. Why would he go for the triple 60? You know, because it leaves <laughs> double four. So um, in that way, I think it's only good for the sport. And as long as I can do it together, it's no problem for me. Hey, look, there's a few of those pundits and uh, commentators still floating around in the English language. Don't you worry about that, Kim. I'm sure you're doing a fine <laughs> job. Uh, I'm afraid my foreign languages are not good enough to critique your performance on Belgian telly. But thank you very much uh, for joining <laughs> us on the podcast. We'll catch you soon and best of luck. Thank you, my friends. See you later. Kim Hybrex there, Wayne, uh, still only 35 years old and a man who yeah. may yet have a lot to give the sport, I reckon. I don't know. What do you make of it? I, I, I've always rated Kim. I, I really have. And uh, I, he mentioned his equipment there, didn't he? I, I think they're, they're working really well. His, his darts that he used for so long, he always used short points. Mm. But they went right in up to the up to the barrel that, that kind of obscured the dart. But... Dan, I, all I took from from that interview was girls and drinking halted my progress. That, that, that's all I took from that. <laughs> yeah. I thought, that was it. That was it. I, I was on the floor laughing, thinking, no, no, come on now. But uh, j- joking, joking aside, I, I like his, I like his confidence, and he, he has got some. Yeah, I, absolutely. Thing, yeah, uh, another thing that. I, I'm not calling him uh, a liar. It's, it's the absolute truth. Mm. I wonder why he didn't tell us what players moaned about the noise when he, that he was making on stage. It, <laughs> it was. It would never have been Gary Anderson. It would never have been Adrian Lewis. It would never have been Phil Taylor. Not a chance. Oh, not a yeah. chance. 
Oh, well, I, I did. I, I did think this, but <laughs> like, we we talked about it there. I mean, it seems the 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 faff around or the Ferrari around Kim yeah. Hybrex and his celebrations on stage at the time that seemed like a really big deal when it happened, and it looks like nothing compared to what Van Gerwen's been doing lately. Van yeah. Gerwen was going mad on the Pro Tour this week yeah. in some of the stream yeah. games. Um, you know, compared to Price getting a twenty grand fine charge, I mean, I was, I was astonished to hear Kim say he agreed something needed to be done about Gerwin Price. To be honest, I thought he might have a little bit yeah. more sympathy with him, but it does show you how, like, it, it was a real storm in a teacup when when Kim had it, and I think everybody's moved on from Gerwin and his his celebrations. I think it, people just sort of clutch their pearls a bit at the time, and it feels like a big yeah. deal, and then quite quickly move on. Yeah, I, I think we've gone through phases of, oh, you can't be doing that to no one cares to, oh, you can't be doing that again. And <laughs> I, I remember doing it against Barney, Phil, and the worst one was against Robert Thornton, where I, I know if they play well, they're better players than me. So you've got to find, you've got to find a way to get yourself up for, for it with the old adrenaline rush and buzz and everything else. But also, if you can put them off within the rules, within mm. the rules, then... Then try it until you get stopped. Well, no one batted an eyelid back then. And then yeah. a couple of years after, you're right. And it was it was only two or three years uh, when Kim was doing it. And I remember people saying to me uh, about Kim, it's like, what do you reckon? I was like, I don't get, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. why you're bended by it. What, what's the problem? Oh, but, but there were people the, at the time going, oh, this is the downfall of civilization. This is yeah. disgusting. It's the thin end of the wedge. If you allow Kim Hybrex, then they'll all be spitting at each other's faces and setting fire to each other's trousers by the yeah. end of the season or whatever. It's absolute yeah. <laughs> nonsense. What I actually think happened, though, and I'm not blaming one man, but it was all down to Andy Hamilton, right? Ah. It was it was all down to him. What had happened, there'd been a few, a few people on tour saying... Look, Andy Hamilton's just roaring down my ear hole every time I'm I'm on a double. I just happen to be on the next board, or uh, uh, the players got told. The players got mm. told, and Kim was like, "I, I, I won't be told. I, I, I just won't." Yeah, I just I do won't. Like that. So they were moaning about someone else, but took it out on Kim. And then when when Gedewin come about, he was like, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can say what you like. I'll 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 just push you. I, I'll just do what I like." <laughs> and bloody well like what I do. And do you know what? You're right. It's died down again, isn't it? Yeah, it really It'll has. kick it really up has. again. It'll uh, kick... Yeah, someone, who knows? Someone will moan. Who knows? Cadby will come back in about two years' time and do something ridiculous. Oh, that'd be like it. Yeah, he comes on in a unicycle <laughs> playing a euphonium. Oh, this is out of order! Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Um, it'd be interesting. I did quite. I I I think you probably yeah. had some sympathy uh, with Kim. Where, but on day one of his TV pundit career, he's already managed to piss off some of the players and laugh. their families. I, <laughs> I bet you yeah. absolutely loved that, didn't you? Do you know, honestly, there, there's times when I walk into a, a hotel or a venue and there's a player there. I I actually question whether I should say hello or not. It's that bad. It is that bad because you you, you kind of and in the end I, I've got to the point now where I, I kind of of course I care. They're human beings. I care what they think. I don't want to upset them on purpose, but it, it's ridiculous. And I like the way he said it. I upset Dimitri's family, like the whole lot. Yeah, all of them. And there's a lot all of them, by the way. There's a lot yeah, of big clan the Vandenberg. Yeah, it's not we're not quite yeah. Roby John Rodriguez territory, but there's a lot of yeah. Vandenbergs. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was just impressed. I, I, I did feel think for though. Him. I mean, I know you know you walk into practice, you're around the players, but you're still not put. You're not part of the tour anymore, Wayne. I, I think no. You know, being paid to give an opinion on on sport and still playing alongside these guys, I think that's that's going to end up being a tricky thing to do. I know Devon's doing it a bit at the minute, but I, I think yeah. it's going to be a very difficult thing to do if yeah. you're going to give any opinion that's worth listening to. If you're going to sit there and just mollify everything and go, everybody's great. everybody, yeah. Everything everybody is doing is absolutely yeah. perfect and they're all yeah. wonderful. Well, fine. I mean, we don't. You know, why do we even have you there? You've got to give yeah, an honest exactly. opinion that's of some value. Yeah. Um, but it's a very difficult thing to do, I would imagine. I don't know we'll what, see how it goes. What I would do if I was in Kim's position and Devon's, I would critique everyone's throw to the nth degree where it's like, well, it's, it's really the, the overleaning, look at the back leg coming up. 
Uh, I'm sure he's overleaning with the tour. So the follow through used to be a lot better than that. I would have I would have players. I would have players that I know that I'm going to draw somewhere down the line because of the rankings, and they would be thinking when you're behind them. Is he is he ripping my throat to shreds is he, or not? Is he analysing me now? Yeah. What's he doing? <laughs> or you just look at them. You look at them. Roll your eyes and give it. You're right. Uh, you're right. You, you okay? You okay? But uh, joking aside, it, it is a it's a tricky one. It's a mm. real tricky one. He he. Look, I'm I'm gonna say it. He he will lose friends. He will lose friends. But. Look, who cares? Who needs friends? Hey, look, that's it. And look, it's, it's, it's quite. It ties into what he was saying about being part of that. Those sort of teams. We've seen them. I, I, it's kind of a new thing, isn't it? The whole sort of team ethic yeah. uh, in darts. I mean, yeah. there've always been cliques. There's always been friendship yeah. groups and everything like that. But when you're sort of all going for dinner together every time, even if you've beaten each other, and you have got some big old egos knocking together. Uh, in, in the kidding. in the world of darts, there's going to be friction, and I think, it, although it is a, a relatively recent phenomenon, this whole idea of management groups and teams and people supporting each other, even if it's kind of manufactured. I mean, why do I support him? He's he's been signed by the same bloke who signed me. It doesn't mean I've got anything to do with him. But then yeah. all of a sudden, I've got to be, oh yeah, good good luck, mate. Best you might yeah. you might bloody hate him. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's it's difficult. It is difficult, and there's things that that happen, and they they seem so trivial. They they really do. But it's look, I, I don't care what camp uh, that all these players are in. If there's other players, there's a hierarchy. There there has to be. Mm. There absolutely has to be. And you always get someone that calls the shots. Now I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just putting this out there. Dimitri Vandenberg wants to leave at five o'clock. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone else wants to leave at, at quarter to five. So they'll all have to wait till five. That's mm. the way it goes. So straight away, it's like, I don't want to wait. Now there's a dislike for a player if that happens. And I can assure you that happens. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And look, it's, it evidently works. There are plenty of, I, I can see some happy little teams and they uh, bond together. You wait till our next podcast. Um, You'll hear from Aaron Beanie, who's got some fascinating and really positive things. I can't, you know, it's it's one of my favourite yeah. interviews I've done with him. Um, but we'll talk about that another uh, in the next podcast. Um, but it is, it's an interesting one, just the social dynamics of how these guys who are travelling all over Europe, um, supposedly they're friends, but they're playing against each other, they're enemies for 15 minutes, then they're friends again. It's a very, very difficult thing to get your head around. But what you yeah. can take from this is that Kim Highbreaks ranked just inside the world's top 40, still a long way off where he has been. Uh, we don't see many players capable of coming back from such slides, but maybe the hurricane might be one of them. These are the questions that you should be asking when we're live. Oh, we're alive now. We're not alive now. Are you interviewing me or not? Seriously. These are the questions that you should be asking when we're live. Oh, we're alive now. We're not alive now. Seriously. There you are on television. Right then, let's talk Pro Tour. We've just seen Super Series 3 from Niedenhausen, four more players' championship events. It was a nightmare of organisation. The goalposts were moved continually. Uh, it meant that there were problems for the PDC, there were problems for players, people working on it. I've certainly got colleagues who actually went out there who have been struggling to get back because things keep changing in terms of the rules. I was commentating on it uh, from home, here where I am sat in my basement, uh, which is great because you can just sit and do it in your pants, but it doesn't feel like you're actually <laughs> at any of it. You don't get as much of a buzz uh, and you can't even see the scoreboard properly because uh, your webcam picture is, is over the front of it and you you just got Paul Nicholson's face where somebody's score should be. Um, but it happened and we got four more ranking events into the calendar. Uh, we saw wins for Jose de Souza, Michael Smith. I mean, they're perennial winners nowadays. First Pro Tour titles for Dirk van Dijvenbode and Dimitri Vandenberg. Now, to be honest, none of the winners, none of the, the winners shocked me. I was not shocked by the fact that those four guys won titles, but I do consider it enormous news about the first time victors we've had. Because Wayne, Dimitri has finally solved it. He can win on the floor, and now he yeah. can. The world is his oyster, is it not? Yeah, I, look, he's doing everything right. And I, I actually said live, live on Sky Sports that I believe he's the best player in the world right now. And... Mm. 
Colin Lloyd went on and said he's he's got to start doing it on the floor. Well, about five days later, he did. And I, I don't see any negatives around Dimi at all. He's the world match play champion. He's playing fantastic in the Premier League. Uh, he's, he's young. He's got an economical throw. Uh, he's he's now one on the floor. Like I said, he's the holder of, of, of a major. There's no negatives. There's no negatives. And... Now he's put this little thing to bed, hasn't he? It's like well, he's he's got to win. He's he's got to win sooner or later. Well, he's got that out the way. He's yeah, got that away. And so is Dirk. And so is Dirk. It was a matter of time. I agree with you. Just looking at the last knockings of of the events. Well done to Aaron for for getting to a, a, a semi final. But even a lot of the semi finalists. You look at Robert Thornton. You're thinking, oh. well, he's capable. Of oh, course he's yeah. capable. But the winners, the the winners are absolutely world class. And that leads me on to a change in world order. There ah, is a change. Yeah. There's a change. This this is that is yeah. very interesting. You know what? Let let me back up your Dimitri statement with with because I'm 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 I found myself when you were saying at the start of sort of you know, in I think you were saying it in, in the world championship actually, Dimitri Vandenberg, you were putting him right up there with the very yeah. best from what you'd seen at the Grand Slam uh, particularly. Um and yeah. I was like, you know what I I, I and he's obviously really good. I'm still not entirely yeah. convinced, but uh, but I'm yeah. totally getting on board the, the Dimitri Vandenberg bandwagon. You reckon he might be the best yeah. player in the world. I'm certainly putting him up there in the top three or four right now. If you look yeah. at those Pro Tour games, he played 19 games in Germany. Nine of them, he averaged over a ton. Five of those were over 105. It is world-class, yeah. and it is relentlessly yeah. world-class. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, yeah. I, I think I think you're completely right. I think he's established himself there. I'm so frustrated that Dirk van Dijvenbode, who every time we see him is playing brilliantly, there just aren't enough opportunities. I would love to see him in the Premier League right now. Oh. I just think he'd be doing things. He'd be so entertaining. Yeah. Um, he looks yeah. brilliant. I mean, he nearly went... I don't think we've ever seen... We, not many players have won back-to-back Pro Tour titles, but I don't think anybody has ever won their first two in back-to-back. And he was only a few legs away from doing it. Yeah. Dimitri, actually, Dimitri beat him on the final day in the final. He beat him on day two as well with a with a big average. I mean, it's, it's, if it weren't for Dimitri Vandenberg, Dirk van Dijvenberg might have won two or three I, I th- of those. Dirk could easily be top 16 by the end of the year. Oh, yeah. And yeah. if that's the case, and he will have had to have done something decent throughout the year, I wouldn't rule him out of next year's Premier League, you know. I, 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 I wouldn't yeah. rule him out. And I would love, I, I agree with you. I would love to see him in it. I'd love to see Joe Cullen in it, Michael Smith back. I, I just think more pace, the better. And Smith just needs to, do you know what? I I, I really like Michael Smith, but he's mm. got to just forget about how good he can play and just do it. We yeah. know, we know how good he is. We know how I, good he is. We know he, he feels he should be in the Premier League. Fine. Stop spouting about it. Get winning again, which he has done. Uh, oh, Watson, Sherlock. Would you mind oh, Watson, being quiet, sorry. mate? Thank you. Thank you. Now, <laughs> if we, it was I, Sherlock, I, it would have made me jump. Yeah, because oh, right. it's got like the deepest bark. It's like Cujo going off on one. Uh, <laughs> just, just, just relax and play, because if that happens, we know he can get near winning a Worlds and win a Worlds. We know he can... He can reach the final match plays and not give nine nil leads. And we know he can play well in Premier League finals. I want to see him winning again, but stop worrying about everyone else. I, I, I mean, and that's kind of advice, really. I hope he's listening. Just get on winning. Just right, keep I mean, winning. You can hope anybody on the planet's listening. The fact is, not many people will be, uh, Wayne. That's how this podcast works. But I did, I did enjoy Michael Smith giving us, giving us no disrespect to anybody. But they're all shit, and I'm far better than him. Speech, which he's yeah, given yeah. No a couple disrespect. of times now. Yeah. No disrespect. But, yeah. but you, yeah. you are all yeah. pony, and I'm so yeah. much better than yeah. all of you. Yeah. And the thing is, I can, I can, I kind of, I kind of like it because it's that mindset which has taken Van Gerwen yeah. to be the best player in the world for eight years, where he just thinks I am better than all of you, and I believe yeah. everybody, everybody who's really successful in in these one of individual sports. They always say, you have to believe. You have to believe in yourself. And there is no question that Michael Smith 
does brilliant. And if he was just there going, oh, well, they're all very good players, and I'm just lucky to be around. I know Dozer gives it yeah. all of that, but he doesn't bloody believe a word of it. He thinks he's brilliant. I know it's been a really yeah, hard time course. for him lately, but yeah. he knows how good he is, and I don't believe a word of it when he says, when he just says, oh, I'm just so lucky to be playing alongside these guys. Um, Michael Smith yeah. is, is, is so, so talented, so brilliant. And, and he know, just... I mean, he smashed Dimitri off the board when he played him. 114 yeah. average. I mean, not yeah. regular, good players, great players struggle to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Michael Smith can just roll it off because he's he's that, that good. He's that um, good. Yeah, I, I just, you look, you, you and I are on the same hymn sheet here. Uh, we love Michael Smith. We want him to win even more than he does. Um, so we'll see. Um, there is There are some rather worrying trends, though. I mean, yeah. Uh, Ian yeah. White and Michael Van Gerwen are the two that I'd be looking at from the Pro Tour. Right. Uh, Ian Do you know White... what? I've got a list. I've got oh, a list. Oh Christ! Yeah. And they go, yeah. start. They start with Michael Van Gerwen, Ian mm. White, and then Chizzy. What on earth? Mm. Seriously now? Oh dear. Yeah. Even when he, oh. yeah, I, I was commentating one of his games, and he started at first four legs. He looked great, and then it just no, 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 and yeah. it was like that all week. Um, there are three players there. Mm. Look, Ian White. And Michael Van Gogh in particular. I don't know with Chiz. I don't know what's going on. I haven't spoken to him in quite a long while. Um, I know I he lost anything. his mum, didn't he? In he did, yeah, he did. And that yeah, might yeah. well be playing a part. Um, of course. Ian White and Michael Van Gogh. And it feels to me like when we had the first lockdown, Ian admitted he didn't practice. Uh, he put his darts down. He didn't practice for the longest period he's done in years and years and years. And he went from being one of the very best, and I would put him in the top five or six in the world, to being a bit of an also-ran when he came back. And it took him quite a yeah. while to get back moving in the right direction. Uh, Michael Van Gogh had done similar, where he's he's not played competitive darts for a while, um, didn't do any of the home tour stuff, wasn't interested in that, stayed at home, and he came back and didn't look the same sort of player. Now, they are so good that they can still come back and win some games and, and yeah. you know, look all right every now and again. But the consistency was shot. And when they played poorly, they played dreadfully. But both of them yeah. got better and better as the year went on. And we thought, oh, well, I thought, well, they're just playing them back. It's taken longer than I thought, but they're playing themselves back. It's their normal level. This year, mm. they have gone right back. They've gone straight down the snake back to where yeah. they started. And yeah. Ian White has lost he lost six or seven games in a row on the Pro Tour this year. First round X, I've never seen him do that. Michael Van Gogh in, in the Premier League and in the Pro Tour, his B game is not is a Z game. It, it yeah. can be beaten by anybody on the tour. And yeah. he has never, ever done that, apart from that little spell last year where I genuinely thought he was in crisis. He's in a crisis again. And two crises in less than a year is very, very worrying for a man who who should be, really, the best player on the planet. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I really like Michael. And I, I, I'm at the point now where I'm concerned about his... I'm not going to say immediate future, but in the next two years... We will know. We will know whether he's is the player he, he was, or or is he going to do a, a fall from grace similar to to Adrian Lewis? I, I I don't know. What we cannot what we cannot do and we cannot say is say that someone is too good to be to be a spent fall. Someone is too good to be to be kind of past their best. Uh, we've seen it before, and, and we'll see it again. I'm I'm really concerned because, like you said, his B game is now his his Z game is his is his B game now, and mm. it's it's concerning. And his A games, a bit like Rob Cross, nowhere near the standard they were, nowhere mm. near it. And the B game is, it look, he hasn't got a B game, Van Gerwen anymore. He hasn't yeah, got one. It's such a strange. When one. he I mean, plays look, well, it's hundred and seven. When it, when he doesn't play well, it's ninety. Yeah. Um, that that's kind of fact, to be fair. Yeah, and look, we'll we'll inevitably talk more about this in the next podcast episode because we'll be talking about the Premier League. But um, I mean, we didn't see Adrian Lewis at the the, the Super Series in Needenhouse. Do you know why, Dan? Do you know why? I don't know. Why. I don't. Do you, do you have, no, I'm asking I don't. you. I don't. And look, ah. I mean, I I can't. I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit here in the middle of a global pandemic and question. Uh, or criticise at least any players saying they don't feel comfortable travelling because they might have family, they've got whatever extenuating circumstances. But what I can do is at least spell out the fact that this was an opportunity. 
for all of the players that were yeah. that were there that travelled there with a number of of people pulling out. Um, it was an opportunity to win some ranking money. Now, in the end, I thought we might see loads of like buys for the first round. It was incredible that they managed to to fill up all the spots. Yeah. And fair play to the organisers for doing it. I think it was a, a an incredible feat of organisation with everything they had to do. But it was still a weakened field in the earlier rounds. I think you saw yeah. over the course of the four days the standard, by and large, particularly in the later rounds. Was yeah. was as excellent as you anticipate it to be, and that is Super. testament to the strength in depth that we have. But you still saw Aaron Beanie making his first ever semi final. You saw Martin Kliermacher yeah. making his first ranking final. Luke Humphreys, his third final ever, and they all come within a seven week spell. There were opportunities there, and Adrian yeah. Lewis is one of those players who, at the minute, is not going to be at the World Match Play, is not going to be yeah. at the World Grand Prix, and is not even in a qualifying spot for the World Championship. Now, we Correct. do not know how many ranking events there are going to be this year. Um, I understand mm. there are going to be two more blocks of Super Series before the World Match Play, which is great news. Um, right, I, I don't okay. know when they're going to be. That's, that's, what I've been, that's what they're working on, I'm told. I'm told what that we where? could see. Any idea? I don't know. I think they'll be UK. I mean, to be right. fair, the PDC would have done this block in the UK. It's just that having said they were going to do it in Germany, the government then started pulling the rug from under them and changing all the rules and agreements and things, saying, oh, well, everybody will have to quarantine, which they were told they wouldn't have to do, but they'd already gone right. ahead with it and announced it. So this is where they found themselves. Um, right. However, somebody like Adrian Lewis, it's not just Adrian, there are other players. I mean, some, Christo, oh, Reyes, Christo Reyes' career hangs in the balance. And What's happened? I don't know. I don't know. He, he tweeted the other day saying he can't wait to get back. I was like, well, yeah. I mean, you have waited. You've waited a long time. But the thing is, I don't know what's going on with him. You sure he didn't? might be shielding. He might be doing whatever. I don't know. Yeah, you sure he didn't tweet? I can wait to get yeah, back. I can, yeah, you, you see how long I can wait to be back. <laughs> Uh, L return yeah, in 2057. Yeah, I love Chris Torres as a player. He's great yeah. fun. Um, but yeah. his his career hangs in the balance. And, and if Adrian Lewis misses the big tournaments and doesn't make the World Championship, he finds yeah. himself in some serious trouble. Now, we're nowhere near wow. that stage with Ian White and Michael Van Gerwen, but we are at a point where we, we're questioning what what next for them. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I do not know. I mean, when, when the Pro Tour returns... Um, we will have the PDC picks for that as well. And I'm hoping that all of these guys can be involved. I mean, who knows? Maybe Christo Reyes does return and then we'll see. He could he could walk through... How good would that be if he walked through the door and he played like the Christo Reyes of his first two or three years in the PDC and was just amazing and kept on making semi-finals and the only people yeah. who beat him were the people who win the title. That'd be incredible. Yeah. I just yeah. don't uh, know. Uh, what was it? 107 against Van Gerwen in the Worlds. And you, you, you're thinking, yeah. this man... He, he might come back better than Van Gerwen. That would, oh, that would be quite well, funny. Well, there, there's a chance of that. There's a chance of that at this rate. Um, remember, if you are getting involved on the PDC Picks apps, uh, you've got to be 18 years old, resident in the UK. Uh, terms and conditions apply. Please gamble responsibly. If you don't, uh, you'll be doomed to Phil Taylor every ball you try and hit when you're playing pool in the pub. Although, mercifully, uh, it won't be broadcast around the world when you do it. Uh, and if you're a friend that's a problem with gambling, visit begamblerware.com.